Welcome to Power Yourself, where we discuss the most important topic in the world, you. I want you to think of the scariest thing in your life. What are you afraid of? How can we overcome our fears? In today's episode, we discuss why we're afraid, what it feels like, and how we can build resiliency when facing a scary situation. And with me on this scary journey today is none other than Jillian Power. How are you today? I'm doing great, Carl. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting episode, I think, because we're going to be talking about things that make us afraid. And, and we'll try to keep it general because, of course, different people are scared by different things. 100%. Absolutely. So why do we get afraid? Let me throw it over to you just to start. Why? What is it in our DNA? What is it in our daily lives that make us afraid? I think it's some deep, deep genetics. <laughs> it's, uh, I would say, it's in us, like our animal instinct to be afraid, which can be a good thing. And we'll talk about that too. But it's definitely learned behavior, I would say. But it could be also something that kind of warns us when we're pushing past our comfort zone. So fear could be just unfamiliar territory as well. But I feel it's the dialogue we add to it in our head that can make it that positive or negative piece. It's interesting how people will admit to things that they're afraid of. And some of them, I think, are very legitimate. When somebody says, oh, I have an irrational fear of heights, I always laugh because I think, well, it sounds pretty rational to me. Like if you're standing on top of a building and you go, oh, my goodness, this is scary. Well, sure, because if you fell from that height, you'd probably die. So to me, that's a rational fear. But I do get a chuckle sometimes of some of these irrational fears. One that comes up is clowns. I hear this once in a while. People get scared of clowns, and I'm going, they're annoying maybe, but I wouldn't say they're terrifying, right? So it's just funny how some people But did are... you ever see the movie It? Well, I get it. I mean, I, I understand, like, the clown is being... But he could have been, like, a plumber, and he's like, this plumber emerges from the sewer, and he's going to hurt people. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be afraid of the plumber. I'm afraid of that specific clown, because he's up to no good. So I guess that's where I'm looking at it thinking, I wonder what it is about our brains and the way we're wired that when we see something, certain colors or certain sounds, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting too. Like uh, I, I think of like a house at night that's empty and you're sitting alone in an empty house at night. And if you play the scary music in the background, it could be really scary. But what if you played romantic music in the background and the person's like reading a book and they're enjoying time by themselves? It's not scary at all. But see, that's what I'm talking about. It's exactly, it's what story you're playing in your head is going to make the outcome. You know, it's going to say what kind of experience you're going to have based on that internal dialogue. So yeah, the home alone Absolutely. You could tell yourself, oh my God, someone's going to break in. Oh my God, something scary is going to happen. Or I, I love it how you brought it up. You can decide to change that as well. So I feel a lot of the time with our fears, if we actually use our power within ourselves to change that story, that dialogue that we're kind of recycling over and over, then, yeah, no more scary monsters under the bed. <laughs> so you're not saying that all fears are bad and we should never be afraid of anything. You're saying some fears are legitimate and we should recognize those and use those to the best of our ability to power ourselves forward. I love it how you've read Empower Yourself. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, Have to work in the brand. 
<laughs> so people get afraid when we're faced with actual or perceived danger. And we can also get scared when we're outside of our comfort zones. So that's, I think that's what we're going to be talking mostly today is about when we're scared about being outside of our comfort zones. We're not going to be talking about quote unquote legitimate fears, although we may bring them up just in the context of how we can use that fear to help motivate us and power us forward in our daily lives. But there, here's some common day-to-day fears. I, I went to the internet and I just pulled a list of, of common fears that most of us have, the, the average person has. And let me just get your thoughts on these as we go through them here, Jillian. So so public speaking. Oh, yeah. I think it's a total legitimate fear. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Why do you think so many people are afraid of getting up in front of strangers? Or what really blows my mind is getting up in front of friends or family, people who know them. It can even be worse for them to get up in front of people and speak. Well, this is one I actually had to work through, and you helped me work through it. But absolutely, like having everybody, for me, it was being the center of attention. I never, I'm not a fan of it, don't like it, I shy away from it. If all eyes are on me, it, it's too intimidating for me, or it was. And I almost put too much pressure in really trying to please everybody. And it wasn't until that I made that switch to be like, you know what, this is about me growing, and I'm going to get up and be messy. It wasn't until I like turned the power around and took it from everybody in the audience and caring what they think and kind of gave it back to myself, allowing me to be able to kind of just go out there and, and do my thing and try to get better as the time goes on. So it's interesting we bring up public speaking to start. That was the number one fear that I found online. And it reminds me, I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, Jerry Seinfeld's got a really funny bit where he says, that public speaking is the number one fear and death is number two. And then the joke is that means if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy, which I think is hilarious. So anyway, full credit to Jerry Seinfeld. Um, but I did want to just bring this up because public speaking being our number one fear, we're, we're most likely going to dedicate an entire podcast to that, I think. What we're talking about public speaking, our fear of it. Uh, you know, Jillian, as you mentioned, you've overcome that. And I think you're a phenomenal public speaker. So, uh, so I'll be looking forward to, to digging deeper on that one with you. Sharing your tips too, which is how I was able to kind of push past that fear. So being able to share those with the audience, I think is a, a really big benefit. And yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we should do a full episode, maybe based on public speaking. That sounds great. So listeners, stay tuned. If you're interested in public speaking, there'll most likely be a podcast coming up here in the near future on that one. Now, the other fear that's very common is when people get a needle. So I know we've actually, Jillian and I have both had this experience. We both have given blood on occasion, and I'm curious about how the experience went for you. Giving a ne- getting a needle is that a, is that a big deal? Do you remember? <laughs> it's a bit of a setup. <laughs> I was a mess. Um, so yeah, I'm not a fan of needles at all. Definitely not a fan of seeing my own blood come out of me. But another example, how it was like, you know what? This is a little bit irrational. Like I, I don't. And I kind of, and we'll talk about like tools that we use to kind of work through our fears, but that's kind of what I had to do in this situation because for me, the good of it overwhelmingly outweighed my nervousness. So that's why I pushed past. And I, to be honest, when I actually went to think about it, I don't know what it was. It was like, are they going to hit like maybe a wrong vein or something like that? I don't know. But it was the build up, absolutely the worst part. 
And as soon as they like put the needle in and started taking the blood, it was like, oh, I really worked myself up into a frenzy for this. Like, and it really speaks to, I think, the power of anxiety, sometimes the negative power of anxiety, because anxiety is our feelings about something that has not happened yet. It's our fear of the future. So it's fascinating that we were more afraid of getting a needle than the actual needle itself. And like public speaking, it's funny talking about all the, these episodes coming up, but I want to do one on anxiety too, because I found it's not something I used to have as younger years, but it's something that I've had within like the last seven years. And it's a hard thing to push past. So to be able to give our listeners some tips and tricks uh, and really kind of hone in on an anxiety episode, I think would be a great, great one as well. I agree. So listeners, if you're interested <laughs> in learning more about how to deal with anxiety, uh, stay tuned. We're going to have one coming up here in the near future as well. Now, how about animals? Some people are afraid of animals. And I think it's natural to be afraid of something that could kill us, like perhaps a lion or a snake, maybe. But I always find it fascinating when people are afraid of like a spider. And I guess, in theory, spiders could kill us, but it's pretty rare. Um, cats is another one. People are afraid of cats. And I, I can speak to this one about being afraid of dogs uh, because I was actually bitten as a kid uh, by a dog. And so uh, I think maybe sometimes these fears are um, maybe deep-seated. And I know that my fear is irrational. It could be a little tiny dog that has no realistic chance of harming me, and yet it still stirs something inside of me where I'm anxious and uncomfortable around a small, even a small, relatively harmless dog. But hold on here. That's not irrational because that's your experiences kind of keeping you alarmed and keeping you ready because something happened in your past. So it's almost like preparing you just in case it happens again. So I think our experiences and how we grew up or like you were talking about colors earlier too. I really think our fears have some deep seated kind of history that maybe we haven't done the time to really think about where they came from. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, another one that the average person claims to be afraid of, it comes up on, on occasion, is the fear of closed spaces, which is called claustrophobia, and a fear of open spaces, which is called agoraphobia. And it's funny because uh, I've lived in buildings that have had elevators. We've both worked in offices that have elevators. And, of course, the horror story in the office is always someone, and you hear about this maybe once a year, someone has been stuck in an elevator, and even if it's for two minutes or a minute, it's still, you, even as people tell the story, people are getting visibly upset that they would be trapped in an elevator. It's always the terminology they use, trapped in an elevator, even though it might be for one or two minutes. And what Carl dis is describing is actually what he's looking at right now and my face probably turning pale and getting sweaty. But really, like, let's pick on that one for a sure. sec. And let's look at where that fear is kind of coming from. I love that idea. And, and it's funny. And, and if you don't mind, I'll go first because I love don't it. personally find it scary. So this is no, no judgment. I just, I, I've actually tried to really think this one through about, well, would I be scared if I was trapped in an elevator? And to be honest with you, I, we all know the size of an average elevator in an office. It's about the size of a bathroom or about the size of maybe the inside of a car. And I think, well, if I had to, if someone locked me in their bathroom, I would probably like, either take a tub, take a nap. So if I was in the elevator and it was like, well, you're not going anywhere for 20 minutes, I'd probably just sit down and 
maybe take a nap. I would be like, well, well it'll get done when it gets done. So I, I need to ask, what is the fear for someone like you maybe that is afraid of this? What is the fear? What is the worst case scenario that would happen in the elevator? Yeah, see, it's not the just being locked behind the doors, I don't think. If you can calm your mind enough to just realize, oh, it's 20 minutes in a locked room, then you'll, m the majority of us will probably be able to work through it and be okay. But the fear is... You're going to run out of oxygen. <laughs> Seriously, like I'm talking about like your mind can do powerful things here. Have you ever seen a movie that the elevator cable snapped and it fell and plummeted through the ground? Yeah, that's probably going to go through my head a couple of times. <laughs> that everybody's going to go home and no one's going to be there to get you. Oh, you could spend all night in the elevator. Oh, my goodness. So how would you be an all night in the elevator? Uh, yeah, that would be tough, yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily maybe the the actual action that's happening or event that's happening i think a lot of the time it's our worry behind it that's making it into this bigger darker scarier hole it's funny i you know i think back to like i i, I wonder i guess is a better way to put it i wonder how we must have lived two hundred thousand years ago you know you're in the the African desert or the African jungle and you're like prehistoric man and your day is filled with danger. So you have a certain capacity in your brain to handle the danger. And we've removed 99.9% .9 of that. There really isn't day-to-day -day predators stalking us and we're not going to run out of food anytime soon. And yet that capacity for fear still exists inside of us. And it almost it almost feels like we're filling it with other things. Like since it's like we have these sl little slots in our brain that we should be afraid of something. And since we're not dealing with the saber-toothed tiger anymore or the venomous snake, we're going to replace it with other things. Yeah, just think of all the extra space we have in there. I think it's totally legit. And then plus look how open, like especially today's culture, how open it is now like before it was just within you know however many miles was stuff that you would be concerned with and now it's like well on the internet you're susceptible to anything yeah our our perspective has really changed into a global perspective and we can legitimately worry about things that are happening half a world away that in the quote unquote olden days it would never have been a concern you know you think like you read a book about ancient egypt for example and at the same time there was also other civilizations around the world there was chinese and mayan and yet they for all intents and purposes never interacted with each other so somebody living in ancient Egypt would never have been worried about what somebody's doing over in China. It's just not applicable. They might have well had been on another planet for all intents and purposes. So it's like our fears, like as you said, from back at the beginning stages, have changed into adapting the fears that are present in today's culture. Because we do, we have the visibility to be able to see different societies and different cultures around the world and our head then places dialogue and starts worrying about stuff like that. Yeah, I heard an interesting metaphor about terrorism where uh, there was a political scientist on TV talking and he was saying that you know, back in the 1950s and 1960s, we were different houses in a neighborhood. So you could interact with each other, but it took a lot of effort. You had to get out of your house and travel to the other person's house. And he says, now we live in a day and age where all those cultures are now sitting in the same house. And it's very easy now to interact with those other cultures. And it feels like our entire world has become one 
interactable space, one space where we can all interact. And it's a, it, it's, it's awesome when you go travel, but it's also really scary too, to think that anyone in the world can interact with anyone else in the world, either positively or negatively. Yeah. It's something that can be used for so much good, but with that obviously comes the flip side too. And yeah, it could be used for negative. And for those of us who do travel, there's a very common fear now, which is the fear of flying. And it's, it's fascinating. I was reading an article online about the fear of flying and then also driving, fear of driving. And that fear of flying is very common. And the article I was reading was talking about statistics about people who have actually died in plane crashes. And this is not meant to minimize the fear by any stretch. I just thought this was a fascinating piece of data where the article went on to say that when 9-11 happened, about 3,000 people died. Many of those died in a plane or related to plane crashes. And as a result, many Americans decided that they would rather drive. So in the next three or four years, the increase in driving went way up and the decrease in flying went down. But interestingly, the actual amount of deaths in the following years went up because driving is much more dangerous than flying. And so many more deaths now happened, uh, traffic fatalities. So the irony of it was in our move to be safer, by moving to driving, we actually increase the total amount of fatalities. Well, and that's a perfect segue to be like, sometimes our fear protects us and keeps us safe, but sometimes our fear becomes irrational and prevents us from actually doing stuff that's positive or doing stuff that's safer or think, better for us. And I think a, a main piece of our fear comes from our... Uh, our uh, desire to control the situation that we're in. And that leads us into another common fear, which is talking to other people, some sort of social anxiety. Or, and I'm not talking about talking in front of a crowd. I'm talking about like one-on-one -on -one interaction. Some people get very nervous when they're forced to speak to even just one other person. Yeah, some people are just shy though too, right? Like, or maybe they're just nervous on how they will be seen by the other person. I think that's a, it's a big step or to if you're experiencing it it's probably a good idea to do some self digging I would say to have a conversation with another person and maybe not have that confidence if this is the reason why I should kind of clarify that but if you are nervous of maybe you're not entertaining enough or you're not good enough or something like that I think then that's a really good indication or sign that you really need to go deep and kind of tap into a little bit more self-love and acceptance. And I think that could be used as a positive thing. So maybe if you're experiencing a lot of anxiety interacting with people, look at why that is. I really, like I am a true cheese ball. I honestly believe every single person has some great stuff in them. Everybody has some good stuff to give. But it's almost when we're too shy or we don't have confidence in ourselves enough to really let that be seen because we're afraid of how other people will perceive it. But at the end of the day, I guess I, my, my thing I always go back to is when I'm 96 years old, am I really going to care what somebody thought of me or am I going to care about how I pushed myself and how I was willing to show up and be seen as who I am today. Yeah, it's fascinating how things we think are super important in the moment, years later we look back on and think, oh, that really had no bearing at all in my life. Which but, I think yeah. is a good thing to do if you're going through like um, some crippling fear. Like break it down, write out a list. I've definitely done it before. 
And how deep and scary can it go? And are you being rational? Fantastic. So the last one we're going to cover here today is when people are afraid of either dying or health concerns. And at first glance, this might appear to be a rational fear. You know, we are all going to pass away someday. So is that a fear that's rational? Uh, or are we maybe hypochondriacs? Do we maybe read articles online? We've all got a story where we had one little health concern. We Google it. We go to WebMD or something, and all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, we're, we're dying. You know, it's melodramatic on the websites, right? Uh, not the best way to get medical information, probably. Um, probably a health professional is the way to go. But uh, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, we have one body. We have one mind. We're only here one time in our lives. Is it rational for us to be scared of dying? Is it rational for us to be scared of getting sick and injured? You know what? I kind of got to say this. Any fear is rational, I think. I really do. I do believe that. It has some truth to it. It can be rational, depending on how the person's looking at it. I think it becomes irrational when we go down the the really deep, dark hole. So I think any fear is rational. Like, if it's a fear, that's your truth. So absolutely. Uh, but it it becomes when it's crippling you from doing other stuff and hiding away or really shying away from that, that I feel it then becomes maybe irrational. So that's a good lead in, I think, to the next section, which is when can fear be both good for us and when can fear be bad for us? So fear can be a good thing because it protects us from actual danger. So this this makes sense, right? I mean, if you are up on top of a building and you're peeking out over the edge, or if, you know, I mean, well, you and I went hiking, for example, in the mountains last summer, and we went right near the top of the mountain. And it Correction. is... Correction. <laughs> <laughs> you went <laughs> near the top, but I wouldn't go You went there. near the top. Uh, I didn't scale the top. Yeah, we. I went to the top. You went near the top. And it's funny because I wasn't and I'm not this is not braggy is it I I find it fascinating how we have two different perceptions of the same situation I we walked for oh gosh it would have been what two hours to get up near the top absolutely and then near the top it was very cold and windy and there was a whole bunch of people up there and it is a little nerve-wracking the the footing is not 100 percent, and you peek over the edge and you're just it's kilometers down to the bottom it feels like I mean it's just endless chasm down there and it's funny I was totally not afraid, and then you being afraid actually started getting me more afraid, and not enough to stop me from going to the top, but it's funny how it kind of, I don't want to say it's contagious, but it's like, oh, like even when you were talking about the elevator, and I was going, oh yeah, I never thought about that before, maybe this, maybe I should be nervous about this, so it's not, I don't think that's a negative thing, because you know, you learn about new people's perceptions, but I just find that fascinating how when we go out hiking, or when we're standing on top of a building, it may not be rational to feel afraid, but maybe it should be rational to be afraid because, hey, you are up at the top of a building and you could fall off. But I think, and that can, like exactly how you just said, I allowed you to kind of be aware of the concerns that maybe I was having. It can have the opposite too. Like by you not being afraid kind of makes me go in a dialogue too of like, okay, Jill, you are safe likelihood of you actually falling off this mountain is really not good so it can have the total opposites as well so it can if you're listening to somebody really worried totally agreed it can make you worried or if you're listening to somebody very confident it can make you a little bit more stable and grounded so I think 
that brings up a beautiful piece about talking out loud about what you're feeling. So maybe getting the pulse and saying it out loud so other people can hear you. And what I really liked, and I'll just use the hiking example again. There was about four or five of us in the group as we were ascending to the summit. <laughs> and what I really liked about our group, and it's our my friends, of course, right? But what I really liked about our group was that when you said you were afraid and you didn't want to go on, Everyone was cool with it. There was no judgment. There was no, oh, you're being irrational or, oh, here's why you're wrong. It was no like, hey, if you're not in the mood to go, take a break. Enjoy the scenery. You are there for you. So enjoy the day. And there was a little subsection of our group that went off to one side of the mountain and the other subsection went off to the other side. And I remember you looked after the backpacks and hung out in the middle and it was great. Everybody was a winner, right? We all did what we wanted to do. So I think, I think that's important when you're supporting someone who's afraid of something is to say, Hey, it's totally cool. It's not, it, it's not debilitating. You've made it 97% of the way up the mountain. And if you want to stop here and enjoy nature, that's great. There's no harm in that. You're not hurting anyone. So I just think that's important to, to note as a friend to try to support somebody who's going through that. Yeah. Sometimes they're not ready to push through. Like there's lots of fears. I'm sure we can all reflect back on right now that we've pushed through and there's some we still have yet to achieve. And that's okay. It's part of the process. Like I did not get down on myself or feel like, oh man, I'm not good enough. I can't believe I didn't finish it. I actually sat there and took beautiful pictures and I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm on top of the world. And I was able to like meditate and be mindful of my surroundings. And that was a beautiful experience for me. So I think just because like if you could look at the situation as I limited myself, but I didn't. I pushed as far as I was willing to go. And then I kind of sat back and tried to be really calm about how far I made it. So I think once again, bringing back to a really important piece here is it's the story we're telling ourselves. I could have easily said I failed. I did not reach the, the peak. I did not scale up those rocks. But I didn't. I felt I achieved. So, guys, I guess my point here and why I'm circling back to that dialogue so much is because I feel we have the power to control it. I feel whatever story we're telling ourselves, that's our outcome and that's what we're going to have the feelings based on. So I guess when you are feeling scared or maybe when you do limit yourself, check in. Okay, check in with your mind, see what words, what sentences you're kind of repeating over and over in your head, and maybe try to make that conscious stop and maybe switch it to a more productive um, dialogue if possible. So, I think on the whole, fears can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how we let it, you know, if, if we drive it or if it drives us, let's talk for a bit about how we can use fear positively. So I'll throw out a couple bullets here. Feel free to comment on them. So the first one I've got here is ask yourself why you're afraid. What's the real issue? And is it realistic? Well, that's good. That's starting the dialogue. That's it. You can start this with yourself or you can start this with other people. And I think anytime you're willing to say this stuff out loud, you're going to get to your truth that much faster because you're allowing yourself to dissect the actual fear to see if there's some substance behind it. And, and there might be. Exactly. There totally might be. Sure. And maybe it's going to be 
a while before you can get over it. Or you know what, maybe there's certain things you will not achieve, but at least then you have that awareness. And it's not this deep, dark, scary area that you're not willing to be aware of. So I think when you're willing to open it up and really look at it, then you can get a lot of power from that, even though you're not pushing past it yet. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I think about the first time I was public speaking, and I know we'll do a whole other podcast on public speaking, but I remember when I first started doing public speaking and started doing some training, and I wasn't so much nervous of delivering the content. I was really nervous about questions because that's when you don't know what they're going to ask, right? So I had prepared as much as I could have prepared, and it really only takes you to about 70%. So there's another 30% that's this scary monster. What are they going to ask? What if they ask me a question I don't know? What if they find out I don't really know what I'm talking about? You know, these are all the fears that come to the surface, right? So asking myself why I was afraid, I think, was really important because at least I knew that if someone did ask a question I didn't know, I was at least ready for it mentally. I could whiteboard it. I could say, hey, you know what? Great question. We'll come back to that later. Oh, thank you so much for asking that question. Does anyone else in the room maybe know the answer to that question? So there were tips and tricks that my mentor showed me when I was learning how to do training that I thought really helped me. Uh, handle those fears. And so I was still nervous, but it wasn't a debilitating nervousness. I wasn't so overcome by it that I wasn't able to push forward. You had tools in your tool belt that you were able to use when that moment came down to it. And I think that's a lot of it to be prepared for situations like tools you can do. So let's talk about tools. You bring up some great points, writing it down. What kind of, how can you prepare yourself when that scary situation happens? Okay, so if we're going to talk about tools, maybe we can start off with um, maybe the public speaking, for example. Uh, and we can always jump into the other ones as well. But I'm thinking for public speaking, like when I first started doing public speaking or started to do training, for me, I looked at the things I could control. So for me, that was writing things out in advance, having speaking notes, maybe little cue cards. Um, a PowerPoint is a great example. You know, you have one sentence on the PowerPoint that leads you into being able to talk about a whole range of subjects. But I was nervous about the questions. So I would make sure in advance to have a whiteboard in place or to thank them for asking questions, things of that nature. What did you do regarding public speaking do you have any tips or tricks well no you kind of nailed it and I think public speaking can be kind of wrapped up to facilitate or yeah facilitating a meeting even or sure. attending a meeting or a discussion group so preparing yourself to be able to speak in front of other people no matter what capacity that's a really good one about the about the meetings mm -hmm. um, you know there's an interesting real world tip that I learned a few years ago about when you're chairing a meeting and if you're nervous about chairing the meeting you open up with a quick round table and it doesn't need to be super formal you don't need to ask everyone what their favorite color is or anything like that but you can just say hey let's do a quick round table and you do it under the guise of taking attendance but then you can just ask them one quick question you know okay on the phone we have Janice and Janice oh what city are you in and how's it going over there just making some small talk and it just tends to kind of it's like getting a car warmed up before it peels out of the parking lot just kind of gets everybody into it a little bit mentally into it they can kind of it's like a little bit of limbering up before an exercise. Absolutely. And it also makes you feel that you're not alone and it's not just all the attention on you. Mm -hmm. I think actually that can have like a double benefit because not only is it prepping you and giving you time because you're letting other people speak, it's also other people going through that speaking and they realize for that moment usually how hard that is and how uncomfortable that is. So it allows a little bit of empathy, I think, too. Fantastic. So asking ourselves why we're afraid is a big deal. The other one I wanted to talk about was 
getting past your fear, especially if you're paralyzed by, by fear, like choices, like, oh, I don't know if I should do A or B, and I'm afraid if I do A, this will happen, and if I do B, this will happen. So one tactic you can use is to make decisions quickly and just own the decision. So I love what you said about when you first started doing public speaking. You knew that it wasn't going to be perfect. And it's not just code for having, oh, I have low standards. It was like, no, no, I'm going to do the best I can. It's overall going to be great. And I remember when we first started working together in, in the public speaking arena, I remember telling you that people, when they listen, they only gonna, they're maybe going to retain maybe 10%, 20%. And I think what I felt was that that took a lot of pressure off in that, oh, it's not that this doesn't matter, but they're not going to remember the details that at 2.10 in the afternoon, I misspoke one word. They're, gonna, they're not going to remember that. They're going to remember on the whole how the presentation made them feel or what the overall flavor of the presentation was. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it totally took the pressure off. But like even like kind of thinking back to any crippling kind of situation, like you're talking about like being paralyzed with fear, I found for me breathing, like it sounds so silly, but it's true, breathing and trying to shut that dialogue off in my head for a second, put it on pause, maybe even go over some positive affirmations in your head just to kind of change the like for lack of a better words vibrations in your body right to really start focusing on that positive wavelength as opposed to repeating the fear over and over again so I found by almost hitting pause on the fear and really practicing like gratitude or positivity it allowed me to have a temporary reprieve from the situation to maybe be able to be a little bit more solid and grounded facing that fear. And it's funny, you know, the older we get and the more expert we become in our areas of profession or our areas of life, the more we're, I think, prone to not want to make a mistake. And it's funny, you know, really good cultures at work or really good cultures in your life with friends, networks, you actually it's a really healthy mindset to actually try to make mistakes, to actually go out and push yourself to the limit where you're actually making a mistake, to try something new, to make yourself uncomfortable on purpose, knowing that it won't be perfect. And it's the embracing of that, I think, that can really make you somewhat fearless in the long run. But that's what gets you better as a person, as a whole, as whatever thing you're trying to achieve. And you nailed it, Carl. Like, it really is. I feel sometimes we limit ourselves because we're so scared we're not going to come out of the gates being the best at it. But it is by not achieving that perfect status that that's how we actually grow. So having the courage to push past and be uncomfortable can have the most rewarding kind of outcomes later on down the road. Think of how much you've grown. Think of how much you've pushed past and how many lessons you learned since the first time you talked in a crowd or started talking to strangers. Like, I just think of how much we learn when we make ourselves uncomfortable and kind of try to, in a healthy way, push past those fears. So the last point that we want to make here about overcoming fears is... Whatever the fear is, if you're interested in overcoming it, to start small, but start. And that's the key, to start. If you want to conquer, conquer something, write out the steps in tiny pieces and then start doing them. And write it out what's attainable to you. Like it doesn't have to be only like 
climbing the mountain and going right to the top of the mountain. That doesn't have to be it. Take into consideration all the steps that you can do in between there that you can still be succeeding. And then you're, then it's a positive process as you're trying to push fully past the fear. So it's not almost, it's kind of funny because it's not just one achievement. You can almost break it down to five achievements. Absolutely. So if you're, for example, if you have social anxiety where you're really afraid to talk to other people, maybe you go to the shopping mall and your whole mission is to go buy an ice cream cone and ask somebody what time of day it is. And that's it. That's your whole goal. So you just, you start small. You say, look, I don't need to be this guy's best friend and I'm not there to pick up chicks at the mall. I'm there to ask one person, one phone number. Or let's flip it back in a meeting. You're in a meeting. Maybe you're so scared about talking in front of your peers that maybe you make this commitment to yourself. Once a meeting, you will make one comment just to kind of break that seal and kind of get you practicing and flexing those muscles of having the light shined on you for a second and kind of talking and voicing your opinion. Maybe it could be something really small, but just start there. Maybe one, one little comment. Yeah. And I think it's important too. I love that. And I think it's important too, as well, that if you feel safe in doing so, it's okay to talk about it. It's not something to be embarrassed about or ashamed of. And that if you have a support group in place and you say, you know, I, I love the idea of like you get together with friends and you say, you know what, I'm really afraid of public speaking. So I'm going to invite all my friends over. We're going to have a nice dinner. And then I'm tonight, I'm going to deliver a three minute written speech in front of my friends. And I've told them all in advance, no heckling, no laughing. I've picked hand picked my audience so it's going to be a soft landing. You know they're not going to boo you. They're going to be very supportive. And I think that's a great way to start. It's a small start. And you could easily minimize it and say, well, of course they didn't heckle me. They're my friends. But that's the whole point is you at least did it. You did get up in front of people. You did speak or you did get in that elevator. You know, uh, you did get on that airplane. Uh, but you're admitting that there is a phobia or there is a problem or there is a fear and you have a support group in place to help you. But I think that piece of just admitting it and saying it out loud, it can be so surprising how much you'll realize that everybody's in the same boat. Everybody has their own fears. There's not one person who's not afraid of something. So just because your fear isn't commonly experienced amongst everybody, it doesn't mean it's not legitimate. It's your fear. And we all have them. So I think the more we kind of talk about it out loud, the more we can get that support, kind of take away the shame piece of it and just be excited that we're trying to be better and we're trying to push ourselves and achieve more. So I love what you said about how there's nobody on the planet right now that's not at least afraid of something. So if you are afraid, just remember you're not alone. And if you've got a network of friends in place, talk to them about it. Mention it. Mention you want to get better at it. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised if you have real friends of how supportive that they'll be. And even if you don't, maybe you just moved somewhere and everything's so new. All you got to do is try to find a connection. It could be a coworker. It could be someone you live close to. It's about starting that conversation to build that relationship. We talked about you know, the internet, there's lots of sites, support sites that you can get on. So it doesn't matter if you physically don't have people in your space right now, you're never ever alone. And there's always people you can reach out to. 
Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode on fears. And speaking of the internet that Jillian just brought up, we have a social media page on Facebook called Power Yourself. And we encourage you to like us, to follow us, to ask a question, comment. We really want you to get involved. And thank you for listening to this podcast and for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot to both of us. So have a beautiful day, everybody. And just remember, try to push past those fears. Thank you all. We'll talk to you next time.